Knockout Ginger, episode 13 with Emily Steinwall, saxophonist, composer, band leader. Uh, we got into some shit. We talked for a really long time, and my Zoom recorder was being a real and it's taking me forever to edit. So we're going to release this one in parts. This is part one. Email me at knockoutginger at gmail.com. F all the haters. I work for a visual artist who is, she's a, I work as her personal assistant, very part-time. But one thing that she really inspires me with is how selective she is with who and how she works. So she's a freelancer, but she makes a pretty good living just doing her paintings and stuff, her drawings. And she's so particular. She'll say no to like very lucrative opportunities if it's not in line with what she believes in, if it's not something she wants to be spending her time doing in this particular in at that particular phase she'll be just like very clear with her boundaries and very um always prioritizing you know her daily rituals always prioritizing her how she her her particular um pace of creation in Mm -hmm. a given moment so if she's in a very you know productive phase with making a lot of different drawings a lot of different art then she won't take on projects or if she's taking on more projects, she it's added. It's always at times where she's like kind of does out of those cycles of creativity. So right. it's been very inspiring watching her navigate that because there's so much like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, like stress and pressure that she's just like fuck that, and I'm just gonna do me. Yeah, I feel like it's most like the- of the people I interact with in the jazz world struggle to have the confidence in what they do enough to prioritize it over other people's work. Yeah. It's the forever battle. Mm-hmm. Like I'm at a place right now where I, I want to, I just want to do everything. Mm. Every time something comes, I'm on it. Mm-hmm. And I've gone through per- long periods, actually probably most of my playing career where I've been like, nah, I don't think I want to do that. Mm. So it's interesting coming back to like almost the beginning of just wanting to play. Yeah. And only wanting to play. So you just want to take every gig so that you can be a full-time player? Uh, yeah. I don't see it as... Uh, I don't see it as taking gigs so I can be a full-time player. I just more see it as taking gigs because I want to play. Mm, gotcha. Because I even think that like even... Even taking everything that comes to me, I don't think I could be a full-time player. Mm-hmm. Well, things Just, snowball. Yeah, sure. But I, uh, I kind of envision like having a day job for most of my life. Mm. Do you have a day job right now? No. Well, kind of, I work very part, some basically what you do mm-hmm. extremely part-time for some people. And, uh, once I make the move to the city, I'm going to need a day job Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Whatever. Is she a musician also? Nope. That's my stuff. Oh, nice. For those of you listening, Mike pointed to some musical gear. Uh, (laughs) I don't even know what those are called. It's an electronic tempura. Right. It's like a drone. I got it in Little India. 
They're and, awesome for practicing. Oh, it's so good. I put it so loud and I just play long tones with my, all, all my things, my saxophone, my flute, my voice. And I, I just enter a zone. I should get one of these. You should. It's like $300. I'm not going to get one of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty expensive. You can also just like go online and um, find drones and then put them through a speaker. Yeah. Not quite the same, but. Yeah, not quite. Um, fulfills the, the the void. Yeah. Until you have $300 to spend on right. the real deal. It's not even the real deal. It's a digital version. The real deal is like an acoustic thing. It's got like, it's like kind of like an accordion. What have you got coming up? I have a lot of shows in my van. Sweet. That I'm excited about. With Bloom? No. No. Bloom is, is, I'm not sure if permanently, but for the moment, nothing is happening with Bloom. Marshall Herod, our bass player, moved to Montreal a couple of years ago. We, we haven't played for about a year, I'd say, but, um, my own project that is basically all I've been focusing on. So little bit about me, if you're interested, <laughs> which is if you're listening to this, I guess you are because my name is the title of the episode. Yeah. So, um, I went to college for jazz saxophone. Shout out jazz school. Shout out jazz school for giving me a crippling anxiety for years to come. <laughs> um, I did a bunch of just like saxophone gigs, like, you know, Beatles cover bands and right. just any, literally any, what we were kind of saying before, like just anything, any genre, any group of people, any scene, any amount of money, if it was 50 bucks or 500 bucks, I would say, yes, I would do it. And I was, I was just doing it. And yeah. I found that very, um, it quickly, um, you know, cause, cause it is a snowball effect and the more gigs you do, the more people you meet, the more people you, whose radars you get on, the more often they see your face and hear your name the more they call you. So I found, I, f- I was making pretty good money. Yeah. Like I was making enough money to pay, pay rent and groceries and have a pretty decent quality of life. Yeah. Um, and even save up a bit of money for my own personal projects and stuff. Um, and then I, on a, on a whim did an audition for, a music artist who I actually don't know if I will even mention who it is. It's not really important, but she was amazing. Yeah. But working in, anyways, I got, I toured as a backup singer for eight months with the, with this big artist. Do you th- I don't know. Do you think I should say who it is? Like, I don't know. Whatever. Doesn't anyways. Matter. Okay. I can bleep it out if you have. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Like she's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I just quickly, not quickly. It took me eight months to figure it out. I realized that it really was not working with me. I kind of like had a mental breakdown and kind of had to, just like I had in school, like reevaluate why I was making music at all and kind of was looking at my choices and kind of had this realization that I didn't want to be a musician. I want to be an artist. And I feel like there's a difference and how I had operated up until that point had been as a working musician. Right. Right. So I'd been like a craftsman. I'd been a saxophone player who could do any bag and could come take a rock solo or come learn like some Clarence Clemens solo note for note or do, you know what I mean? Shout out Clarence Clemens. Yeah. Anyways, but you know what I mean? Like that's different than like, here's my heart Mm -hmm. and something I put so much time and energy into. And then I'm going to show case to whoever is listening with my purest intentions and like, you know, like 
like an art there like that feels like two very different experiences to me eventually I would like to get to a point where I can do every gig and have it feel that authentic but I'm just not there yet because I and I don't know if I ever will because there's just too much too much music to learn you know what I mean and it's like I don't feel that deeply connected with every genre or every group of people that I work with it's just not true so I'm not gonna really worry about that but Anyways, oh my god, this is like the most meandering <laughs> Sorry, I need to learn how to like <laughs> filter my speaking because <laughs> people are listening and being recorded. Um I don't know how to do it either. <laughs> but uh yeah, I uh I just kinda realized that. So I quit this gig that I had touring in January because and I also was just very unhealthy, like mentally, yeah. emotionally, spiritually, physically, like touring is hard as fuck. I was on a can I swear? Yeah. Okay. Touring is hard AF. And you know, you're, I was on a plane every day eating like crap. Cause you're in an airport every day. You're eating the green room food, which was never great. And like barely sleeping under extreme stress levels, like the most high adrenaline rushes you ever got. Like I played a Madison square garden and like on the Ellen DeGeneres show and like all these crazy, like whoa this is so much pressure like I don't even know what to do and then like oh now go alone to this hotel room that looks the same as every hotel room that you've been in in the past three months and you don't know anybody here and you haven't even really seen this place that you're in because you're leaving tomorrow and you're working all day and like next no exercise no healthy food no outside time no time to just chill and be alone except for like to cry in your hotel room at night like basically i just got really depressed yeah you're you're but what you're describing Mm -hmm. is like exactly what i want and need (laughs) (laughs) to each their own right like it's just about finding what works for you and that's why like i'm not shitting on this job it's like it's a great job and like that's what a lot of people that's what I thought I wanted to and then I got there and I was like oh no I actually this doesn't work for me I need to sit under trees every day and I need to like talk to flowers every day and I need to like be grounded and I need to like be very introverted a lot of the time and not talk to people a lot of the time and like these are things that I'm slowly learning about myself because I was trying to tend or trying to fit into a uh mold of like you know because musicians you got to be very outgoing and very like schmoozy and very you know at least the stuff I was doing like cocktail parties and stuff yeah and I was trying to do it and I like can do it pretty successfully could do it convincingly and like was fine because like you know I'm I can figure it out but it didn't necessarily feel right in my core you know and that's what I found touring too it just it just kind of set everything off kilter in my brain. Um, that like that musical. I'm looking for music jail. Music Isolation. jail. Isolation. Oh, <laughs> but what do you mean music jail? I, I, don't, I don't know. That's just the term that came to mind when you described that hmm. situation. But like traveling and focusing just on music. Mm-hmm. I've only had small glimpses of it. Mm-hmm. But or like short periods of time, Mm -hmm. but it's like the greatest thing for me. Mm. Like if I stay in one place for too long, it's when bad things start happening. Mm. Just like moving, playing forward Mm. is a definitely a lifestyle. It's for me. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. That's what I want to, but 
I was a backup singer with a pop artist. So I'm singing along to tracks because when you're playing at Madison Square Garden, you can't be off tune. You can't actually have three human voices singing the backup parts because that would be ridiculous. Music would shit their pants having that much like potential for mistake, you know? So it's like, it was like 75% these backing tracks that we were whipped into shape to be able to match verbatim and dance and not dance, but like do the two step backup singing thing. And like when I first auditioned for this band, they, they advertised it to me as like saxophone and singing. So that's why I took the gig. But then I ended up playing saxophone like twice in eight months. And like my dream is to take my band on the road and do a tour my way. And I'm going to do that. That's yeah. going to happen. But that would be amazing. Like the way I want to tour though is going to be so different. And the music I'm going to be making is going to be so different than the way it was. Because, and here's the thing that really I didn't like about this job was, and basically it comes down to just, I have a angsty resentment for the corporate world. But yeah. when you're working with a label that's as big as, they don't give two shits about anybody working for them. And that's across the board where there's money and the incentive for profit overrides every other motivating factor in running a business, then it sucks to work there. That's my opinion. Yeah. I, I think that goes across the board and like, I don't think that's goes across the board for every company, but every company whose main and whose main motivation is profit. I think because my grandfather owns a large company long, <laughs> long and McQuaid musical instruments. I'll just, I was like, should I, even, should I say it? But my, you know, like yeah. long McQuaid is the biggest music company in Canada and I may be biased cause my family, but like he's such a stand up dude and he's got such good principles that everybody I know that works along McQuaid is like, I love working along McQuaid because they treat like, it's like, it's still run like a small business kind yeah. of where it's like the employees matter and the employees are people to the people that they work for. You know what I mean? Like my grandfather has met every single one of the people that work for him because they have to do this training across 60 stores across Canada, right? Like they do this training where they come meet him and it's like, he's not even overseeing every store, but he's like, he cares enough that he like makes that effort. But so it's not like just if there's money and if it's big, it's corrupt. But this thing that I was working for was, so it was like, I just kind of had this realization where I was like, wow, I literally don't matter. And what am I serving? Like, that's kind of what I was questioning. It was like, I would go play these huge stadiums and look out into the audience. And like, we did this tour. So I didn't even do the actual tour. I did the promotional tour. And then I was supposed to be gone for a year and a half after. But then I was like, I actually don't think I can. I don't think I have it in me to do that. Um, So then that's why I left. But the promotional tour, we did this this little stint as part of it of these things called the Jingle Balls, which is iHeartRadio, which mm-hmm. is the conglomerate that owns every radio station in North America, basically. Um, which is also fucked up if you think about it, right? Like yeah. that there's a one single conglomerate that owns all of the media, radio media in all of North America. So all yeah, it's of, crazy. It's fucked. Like it's just like weird. And then it's like Oh, why do you think no one's listening to local jazz? Oh, because never is <laughs> our iHeart Radio. Never are they even going to care to even listen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like no one. Like, anyways, I would play these big stadiums, and I would. So the Jingle Balls were like these big 
showcase variety shows kind of like Christmas themed and it would be like Sean Mendes, Cardi B, like all these huge names that would play for like 15 minutes and then there'd be like 10 acts of a show and we did like the Jingle Ball tour so there's just like a dozen or so of them across the states and Canada and uh there were commercials in between the acts like on this big projector this screen and I so I'm like standing in fucking the ACC or Madison Square Garden or the Staples Center or whatever and there's Chevrolet car commercials and like just like it's just pure consumerism it's pure materialism it's pure just like advertisements for corporations that are all like in cahoots and then I was like okay so that being said like the reason I stuck in Jesse's band for so long was because I was like well her message is good she's spreading a positive message in a world I was like we're gonna Trojan horse this industry we're gonna like get in there and sing about love and sing about like loving yourself which her music is about and I really admire her for that because it takes so much strength to fight like it's like you're really swimming upstream to have any kind of like emotional experience within that world you know Mm -hmm. and to be able to then share that it takes even more courage and more strength so she's honestly like such an incredible person but I just didn't care enough about her music right like it's not my music so I was like fighting 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 also getting yelled at to be a certain way and to obey my rulers basically you know what I mean so I was just like fuck this like why am I doing this I want to make music about love I want to bring like balancing universal love into the world through my music this isn't it this is advertising for this is bringing in money to a corporation that I see so little of because I am the smallest cog in this giant machine and literally they don't even wouldn't even notice if I fell off the machine because I'm so insignificant fuck that yeah honestly yeah I hear you it was cool like it was of all the pop acts I could have been affiliated with that was probably the one I would have chosen and you know I was lucky that that was it and it wasn't like wear this like skin tight like tube dress and stiletto heels and you know do your back like I don't know Mm -hmm. not that there's anything wrong with that it just wouldn't have been within my comfort zone and I would have felt uh like an another layer of myself had been exploited because I felt like my voice was being exploited my 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 body was being exploited my you know, luckily my sexuality was not being exploited, which is often the case. Um, but my energy was being exploited. My time was being exploited. My musical talents were being exploited. Literally every part of my life I had handed over to this label, to this machine and said, do with it what you will. I'm trading it all for the clout, for the, the glory and for the, the cool factor of this gig, basically. And for the experience to see hotel rooms in every city in North America. Lovely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so would, I quit. would you recommend this gig to... No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I would. Like, I, 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 I don't regret it. Even yeah. despite my anger, you could tell I'm a little riled up still. I got some stuff to process still. Yeah. But I don't regret doing it. Because it also taught me a lot. Like, it taught me a lot about... Um, sticking up for myself and listening to myself which I did not do before as I mentioned that's that's the cat scratching her 
Oh. Moving around. It's litter. not destroying the house. No, she's just, when she, when she poos in the litter box, she likes to sweep it under the litter. I, so then, do I. Yeah. Me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry. What, uh, you learned from this. I learned, um, because there were a lot of times in, throughout the experience of the gig that didn't feel good. They mm-hmm. didn't feel right. I had panic attacks quite frequently, which hadn't happened to me since I was in first or second year university. I had, um, terrible levels of stress and anxiety and, um, like just a lot of, um, like bending for people, Mm -hmm. a lot of, um, being like, Oh, this is not what I want to do right now, but I feel like I have to. So I'm going to, that was very hard to see because the appeal of, doing the gig, the appeal of doing things like playing on the Jimmy Fallon show and being at NBC studios and meeting Questlove, you know what I mean? Like that's like overshadows all the panic and stress that I felt even in the very same moment. Right. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot of shady shit that went down. There was a lot of, there was a lot of just bad that was happening that I was completely ignoring because I, first of all, didn't have the awareness of myself to even calibrate my own health and say this isn't in line with it actually this is actually making me feel worse because I was just so off off balance you know what I mean yeah. like yeah I think it's really interesting that music has been so uh stripped of its core that it can be sold globally like globalism is really interesting to me because especially when you have a product like art right it's like how can a song be packaged up and bottled up and sold the exact same way to every single person across the world. But it is with big, large pop artists. But that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me because then it's like, how do you know this? How does this, but it has to, that's why it has to be so superficial, right? Cause it has to only resonate with people's shells. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I guess like to a certain degree, good music is good music good Mm -hmm. music is universal Mm -hmm. i think and there's that element of like uh yeah good music is universal like you can it's boundaryless which Mm -hmm. is one of the like Mm -hmm. beautiful things about it but um when it comes to like a lot of the radio trash i totally know what you mean it's like not a it doesn't resonate on a deeper level, so how can it mm-hmm. cross culture? Cross yeah, and cultures? it's just not something that they that is taken into account. Like yeah. somebody, like you know, like I'm trying to think of like a u- universally appreciated. And that's not to say that like you know you can't have people in every part of the world who resonate with something because people have unique experiences. But it's just to like to have you know things that are designed to reach mass audiences of millions and billions of people is it just puts the priorities in the wrong place I think in the creation process yeah it's tough it's like it's hard to uh yeah I feel like it's just like a personal thing that everybody has to figure out for themselves because also some people are happy to sell out you know what I mean depending on what you want in life and depending on what your priorities are and depending on what type of person you are and but personally I don't want to ever do that. And it's like very important to me that 
I am like spiritually and emotionally connected to everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Like I, I start to panic otherwise, which is something I learned when I was on tour because I experienced it in such an extreme and I, something I should have learned when I was in school, but I didn't have the aware, the self-awareness yet. Cause I was like 17 years old, but, um, like I don't feel the same way playing music for just for money or clout or prestige or like because I want to impress people or something Mm. even in jazz like it's not just a genre thing it's like I can play a jazz gig for all those reasons too you know I guess then it comes down to like is it my responsibility to get my get my own relationship to what I'm doing to a place where no matter what situation I'm in I can bring that love and that that connection to people and not have a judgment for the situation and not have a judgment for those the environment that I'm playing within and not judge the people who are I'm working with even if they are in a place that is not in line with where I am but I think at this point I don't have the energy for that I just need to have boundaries you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah I think I create the boundary for myself by um just playing honestly regardless of the situation yeah and then just based on who i'm playing with and who is down with that or not Mm -hmm. the boundary is created by itself yeah and that's beautiful because that's the thing like and that's not something that i could ever do because like i was saying before i wanted every gig Mm -hmm. so i would go do sound like a different player on a rock gig than I would if I was playing your music for, for example, you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't play those two things from the same place. And I honestly don't think it would serve a rock gig. It wouldn't serve the music for me to approach it the same way I would approach something else. Right. It would, you know, and like, I appreciate all genres and I love all types of music. So like sometimes you just need to just wail a high C on the tenor and, put some vibrato and some gravel on it and just that's your solo or whatever. And it's like so corny or, you know, it's not necessarily, I'm not like at the edge of my creative expression and, and in the, you know, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't serve the greater good to do that. Right. In that specific environment. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm practicing, I just got to pick up my electric bass and play along with a Drake album for an hour. There you go. And then sometimes I make fucking donkey noises with my bow for an hour in my bedroom. Like it's all, it's all, it's all good. And it's all just like part of it. But yeah, I feel like I've lost my point. I don't even know if I had a point. Uh, But yeah, anyways, all this is to say my new music, my band. Oh yeah, I did have a point. So I'm trying to do less gigs. I've been saying no to gigs for the first time in my life. Yeah. Um, just because I am just trying to like prioritize time and energy to focus on my own thing. And, uh, I'm feeling really good about it. And I've been writing lyrics for a little over a year and writing like music that is more, um, I don't really know how to describe it genre wise. It's just like a very eclectic mix of all of the things that I love. Like, yeah. Genres are for the people that are you just ran away from. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's just my thing, but I'm really trying to, 
I'm really trying to, trying to like play and, uh, present it in a way that really, um, how do I put this? Like I, I need to get my, myself in a place where I feel totally balanced and grounded and clear, like a Mm -hmm. clear vessel, kind of like an empty channel. And I can do that through just like my lifestyle and my like daily practices and daily rituals and doing things like yoga and meditating and the way I practice music and the way I take care of my body and stuff. And so then when I get on stage, I try to like tap into that feeling of like, just like being pure love and being pure, just like clearness and groundedness and feeling the earth and feeling the the hearts of everybody in the room and feeling the, the emotions of everybody in the room and feeling the energy of everybody in the room that I'm playing for and everybody on the bandstand with me and everybody, you know, and myself and all the, all the moving parts of, of putting a show together and, and feeling all that and then trying to like just turn that all into just like connection and love through the music, Mm -hmm. which is, I think like the, the most powerful thing about music is that it just can turn. If, if people come in with stress, if people come in with whatever kind of anxiety or d- d- sadness or not to say that sad is an anxiety or, are necessarily bad emotions. They're just part of the, they're just part of the experience. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's, it's about then turn, taking those things and just grounding them down to earth. You know what I mean? And just yeah. like making people f- remember that even through that, they love there's love you know and like connection and humanity and 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 uh peace and stuff well how close are you are you usually there with Um, your own music like day to day when you gig with your bands when i gig with my band so i've only done like three gigs with this new band and every time i I, the last gig i did was the end of april and i i did feel there i'd felt like like usually when i used to prepare for shows i would like feel really like oh my god I gotta get my saxophone chops together let me practice for five hours and just like be all I'd be all stressed out before the gig and then I'd get there and I'd feel stressed but like this last gig that I did I like went and did yoga in the morning and then like went for a walk with my dog and then like chilled out I did some long tones but I didn't really play even that much saxophone and then I got to the gig and like really felt good and I honestly like I felt really good about it and like because it's so vague like it's so um intangible almost um which part just like using music as like a, a an energy transference basically like it's something that I think we're all subconsciously aware of at the very least um when we listen and experience music but like how to actually be like deliberate with that is kind of confusing yeah super confusing because there's also like the like literally feeling the vibration of the music Mm -hmm. and then feeling the energy of someone yeah can be they can be the same or different yeah yeah right because it's also just a matter of like what what words are we using to describe these intangible things and are we like in agreement with that because like energy emotion vibration these are all just like tossed around and they're kind of unclear. Cause yeah, like I was thinking about that. And it's like one day I'd eventually like to, you know, 
to understand the physics of sound and the physics of resonance, which is something that I, I don't know about at the moment, mm-hmm. but I would like to learn about it to a point where like, cause there's actual like energy centers in bodies where like tension gets held and emotions get held and, and, and these blockages form in the human body it's like energy mm-hmm. that, through sound and vibrate and like direct vibration of those centers, depending on how, like what the resonant frequencies of those energy centers are, you could like actually like very literally like heal somebody or like affect somebody through physical vibrations. Right. But then there's also the emotional intention into a song, which has that same healing effect on a different level or in a different way, or maybe it's not even a different way. It's just a different way of, accessing it and then there's also the more like um esoteric stuff where it's like that which i was kind of talking about before where it's like oh like i'm trying to connect to this like experience of like universal love and then like just through connecting with that myself and tapping into that myself it'll emanate through my body and through my physical expression of sound that's coming out of my body because my voice and my saxophone are just my breath and their extensions of my my experience right Mm -hmm. so there's like all these different layers and different ways of accessing and then there's also the whole like coltrane thing which is like to like actually like mathematically through like the you know the pitch ratio how the harmony and pitches like how those ratios align with ratios on like these bigger physical things and like i don't understand physics at all so that goes so far beyond me but like there's like so many different ways of like either literally or very vaguely spiritually doing these things. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but that's kind of my goal is to learn about that. Cause all I know is that I want my music to like bring balance to the world, to be, to be love, to just bring to, that's why intention of the music is so important to me. That's why I think it's cool that you're not making this podcast for money because money automatically puts a different intention that is not love compassion harmony peace it's money which often we have to sacrifice things right and like without even being aware of it because there's so many parts of this system that are you know like let's say i'm i'm printing records right i'm I'm pressing cds i just recorded a cd and i'm okay so my intention is to do it cheaply and to to do it um quickly and cheaply so maybe i use really unsustainable packaging and really unsustainable um pressing uh like the way they do it what's the word i'm looking for manufacturing manufacturing right like maybe it's just the way they do it is very unsustainable very um wasteful very uh, not energy efficient and the people working there are part of a, a toxic workforce or something or you know because I'm doing it through some big company or I'm doing it through some company that is not in line with how I feel so then because I my intention was not like I think like every detail like that matters right or like maybe I'm playing in a venue where it is you know like there it's it's also the the food they're making is like really unsustainable or you know like it's just like all all these things then get corrupted because i'm trying to like save money or something you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's like and then the overall integrity of the music gets lost because that's an element of it that I didn't even take into consideration or maybe I'm you know doing a show and 
I, you know, lose sight of my overall goal and I start to do it in order to impress somebody or something. And then I'm like making music out of insecurity. I'm making music out of fear of um, people not liking me, not accepting me. And then now I'm out of touch with that connection to feeling unconditional love. And so my music gets the integrity of the music has lost somehow like that way. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's just like I'm trying to be aware of all these things at all times because I feel like that's all I can do. You yeah. know, it's just yeah. be aware of what I'm doing and how everything I'm doing is connected to everything else and connected to these bigger systems, which are maybe sometimes you can't help it because the, everything is so fucked up that like sometimes it's hard to avoid and you can't fight every battle. But like with, when it comes to the art I'm making, as like my band, as Emily Steinwell, I want every moving piece to be in line. Yeah. You know, which makes it more, more tough and mentally taxing and definitely, which is why I kind of have to like cut out, cut the fat of like other stuff that takes up time and mental energy and stuff because I just don't have the energy to, I want to just go full into like one thing because I've never done that. And I, this is, I'm 24. I got time to try it, you know? Yeah. I live with my mom. (laughs) Me too. There's a, I forget what label it is. I can, I'll find it and I'll tell you later, but there's a label in the U S somewhere that does, um, they, they give all their bands, they have a bunch of vans, they don't give them vans, but they let them use vans for tour and buses that are run on vegetable oil. Whoa. That's cool. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, like, I feel like if, if artists start making the effort, like, because that's the thing, like, as something I've been thinking a lot about, too, is, like, as an artist, if I, again, it comes down to, like, semantics, like, how you, how, what words we're using, but, like, when I start to identify myself as an artist rather than a working musician, then I start to care more about what I'm doing, you know? And then if I start demanding these things, you know, I no longer say oh yeah okay I'll just do it because I need the 300 bucks from this gig even though I don't really want to be working or associating with this business or whatever I'm being associated with if I start demanding like you know I'm not going to do a tour that is not environmentally sustainable no I'm not going to do my um, packaging in a way that's you know because it's important to me as an artist to make statements, political statements. And there's, there's ba- political battles to be fight and artists have a, a platform and a voice that people just naturally listen to, you know, and care about more than the average person. And that's a responsibility and a duty that I don't, that I think gets taken too lightly. And I think, at least in my opinion, and I took it too lightly before, I didn't even think about it. I was just thinking about me, 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 my career. How am I being reflected? How do people, do people think I'm a good saxophone player? Do people think I have heavy chops or whatever kind of bullshit I was concerned about? You know, and it's like literally does not matter at all to anybody else but me. But it's like, oh, I have 2,000 people that follow me on Instagram just because I play saxophone. And that's more than most people who don't play saxophone because it's just a weird art is just a thing that people care about on media platforms. So it's like, that's a relatively small reach, but it's also a reach. You know what I mean? And I have an influence and I can spread, I can influence even five people. That's a responsibility and a duty that I don't want to take lightly anymore that I need to like honor and I need to do with my best effort. You know, you should, uh, how are you, 
so like are you are you gonna print cds i don't know i haven't even recorded anything yet like it's all a very work in progress i'm still trying to figure out how to i'm still like i just finished writing a bunch of music um so i have like 10 songs that i'm now in the process i have four shows booked that i'm gonna like workshop them through and and try to develop like a cool live show so i've been doing a lot of like just kind of getting back to what i was saying before like i've been practicing singing the songs and doing like subtle movements that help direct energy through my body and like help me feel I want to connect with my fire which is like my my like sexual energy that like life force drive power that you have in your body and it's like that's what I need to tap into when I'm playing saxophone and that's like that in itself is just an inherently healing thing to express especially as a woman right because that's also something that whether I like it or not, it's like not a lot of girls play saxophone and not a lot of girls will take like a 10 minute solo where they just fucking go for, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's something that in itself is a political statement just cause it's not seen. It's not mm-hmm. common. So like that was something that I was kind of like bitter about before. Cause I was like, I'm not a novelty. I'm the same as dudes, but now I'm like, I'm not the same as dudes. Actually it, I do exist within the political context and cultural context and social context that I exist in. So it's like, it is uncommon for girls to take a saxophone solo. You know what I mean? It's a political statement to do that. There's undertones of sex, of um, discrimination, of, you know, oppression that are even subconsciously felt just by somebody seeing me hold a saxophone, a young girl hold a saxophone, mm-hmm. right? And that's something that I think is important to be aware of because... You know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm playing jazz and I'm a white girl from Toronto. You know what I mean? Like, that's another layer of it. And it's like, these are all things to, t- to keep in mind. But anyways, that being said, you know, let's say a young woman goes and sees me play and they feel insecure about their sexual energy because it's something that they've been made to feel self-conscious of just because of the, the world we live in. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like trying to. I'm channeling it through an instrument, amplifying it through an instrument, and they see that, they watch that, then they might be more empowered, may, might feel more inspired to honor that within themselves or to allow that to to be expressed within themselves, which I think is a, overall a very healing thing mm-hmm. for society, right? For right. people to, or, and if, if vice versa, if a guy who like is uncomfortable around women's sexuality sees me singing a song about sex and then take a 20 minute saxophone solo or something that's going to shake them up and make them reevaluate how they feel or make them even be aware of things they didn't even know they felt as a woman, oh, someone who identifies as a woman. Like I can talk to speak to just like female representation in music, but like you see girls and kids, a kid when it's kids, you see an equal 50, 50 ish. And then starting around high school, you see all the girls drop off. And then in college, you see all the girls drop off. They're no, there's not as many in them as, and then in the kind of like college level, professional locally Mm -hmm. level, you don't see women. And then where you start to see them again is where it's like the top of the top. So like in New York, it's people from all over the world, literally flocking to one city. So if you're a, if you're an expert at what you do at your instrument, you are going to have the confidence to go pursue a career in jazz in New York. Cause that's what it takes. It takes confidence in what you're doing and it right. takes that drive to get you good enough to a place where you feel confident in what you're doing. So 
then it's like you kind of transcend then the political climate, the social climate of the average workforce, the average music scene, because you're at this like new echelon of expertise. And I feel like that's why somewhere like New York, you'll see more diverse representation because it's all the people that have kind of like fought their way through that. And so like men or women, but then in Toronto, like in just like the general or just, you know, like that, just the average music working musician world, you don't see it as much because there's no room for them. There's no room for, or at least there haven't been. I think there it's changing at the jazz schools in Toronto. 5% or less of the faculty are women. I would say. Yeah. Of the faculty for sure. Right. It's low. And like, that's kind of the, the level I'm talking about where it's like, these are professional established locally yeah. people. Right. Yeah. Now in New York, where I went to school, the majority of my teachers at the, at the school that I went to mm-hmm. were female. That's beautiful. That's super cool. Which is probably, you know, like when I played in your band, it was like half women and like, that's rare, you know, or at least I wasn't the only one that was yeah. a woman. Like it changed, but like, you know, like yeah, it but seems it, like some people are more comfortable calling women than others. And yeah, but it's also like a selfish thing. Like you, like, that's not me trying to give opportunities. That's me calling the killing people. It's like a selfish, no, you know? I know, I know, but it's like, it's, 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 uh, a lot of people I think don't feel comfortable enough around women to call them in their band, even if they're good for the job. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. That's probably a bigger deal than like the fact that you're just like, Oh, I just want the players who I want. I don't care if they're how, what their gender is, is like it, that shows a level of like comfort and just like openness that not everybody has. That is easy to take for granted if you are there, because that's where a lot of people are, especially young people, you know, like most people don't care. Like I've, I haven't really experienced honestly that much sexism as a young female instrumentalists mm-hmm. I've if anything have experienced more opportunities because of it whether I like it or not like because it is a novelty and it is something that people sometimes do make a specific effort to have representation and that's a whole other debate but um yeah it's slippery it's very slippery like how am I like maybe not well definitely not now maybe not in a couple of years maybe not in 10 years but like uh, I'm confident that someday my music's going to change the world. That's just how it, like... It like, already... The mind, everything change. The world is changed by everything you do. Right. But, like, the mindset just how of... how are you a, changing it? I'm convinced that the, the mindset of, like, a, a healthy, forward-moving artist is, mm-hmm. like, what I'm doing, right. maybe not now, but eventually will have an impact. Mm-hmm. And, like, how am I supposed to put a band together of people to impact the world when they think that they're just checking off a box. Yeah. Like that's a whole other, Mm. like I can't even go down that. Like like, you mean like, Oh, we need a token woman to to represent diversity in our band. So we just got to, yeah, it's weird. And if that woman is, has even this, the slightest 
idea that maybe she's just in my band because I need a box checked. We're not going to change the world. Yeah. Like if there's any, I don't know. I actually talked to somebody on the phone this morning, a, an elder, an older jazz musician who called me for a gig. We talked on the phone. He goes, yeah, like I'm going to, he called me to sub in for another female saxophone player and expressed to me how important it was that he had a woman in the band. And that used to tick me off a lot yeah. for the exact thing you're talking about, where it's like, how can we, how can we pretend that, you know, like it, just exactly what you just said, right? Like, but I honestly, my opinion of that has changed has because, it? yeah, because I've, I've become more accepting of older generations efforts that are sometimes like nobody's perfect. Right. And it's right. like this person that I talked to on the phone today had nothing but the best intentions, you know, like they, they were like, they're, they weren't aware that they're maybe like tokenizing my femalehood and turning it into a, a symbol of diversity. They're, they're really coming at it from like, we need to, they're coming at it from, I've only ever played with white men for the past 35 years. Yeah. I want to change that. This is how I can do that. They might not have the, the, the young person's awareness of the more complex elements of that, you know? And I just appreciate the effort. And it's like, I don't, I don't feel like I only got the call because of, I have a vagina. You right. know what I mean? I feel like I got the call because they know I can do the job because they respect what I do enough to trust me with the music, to trust me with their job. And then they also thought to call me instead of the dozen men they could have called because I'm a girl. And that's fine to me. That seems overall positive. You right. know what I mean? And it's like, I hear what you're saying, though, because it is like seems counterproductive in a way to kind of like just turn womanhood into a political like but it you know like a political pawn or something and somebody's like you know yeah it's tough it's like a it's weird it's it's a slippery slope it is a slippery slope yeah i think it's just a matter of like what everybody's personally comfortable with and like i could have reamed this guy out this morning or or nicely explained to him why like that's not right but i also didn't really I also just appreciated him making the effort you know what I mean like definitely like for an older person to even have that awareness and for even for them to even want to make that different and and to want to have that kind of representation I respect that I appreciate that and it's like that's cool you know if my if my 95 year old grandfather makes some kind of like slightly questionable remark which he doesn't even do because he's dope yeah. but like uh the long McQuaid. yeah he's 95 and he's, <laughs> no he's 90 oh but he's he's but still 90 and still yeah he like is always like oh i just read this book and like it really changed my opinion on this like he's still like challenging his mind he's like the most inspirational person ever but um he still works he still goes to work four days a week that's crazy and uh goes out to see shows i went and saw um uh, I went to the jazz bistro with him recently nice. and then saw like he just like goes out and supports and stuff. He's cool. Anyways, but like if he were to say something and you were to say something, I would take those two things differently. Right. Cause I would expect, you know, like it's just like a matter of like what it's also a matter of energy conservation. Right. Because like if I had told this guy on the phone, like a dude is not chill just to hire me cause I'm a girl or like just to like want a girl in the band would he even really hear it? Would it change it? Would he, you know what I mean? Like that's maybe a bad example because that's like pretty clear, but like 
it's like some people are not going to change. Some people are like so set in their ways. And it's like, I think, you know, this is controversial. So like, I don't want to, but like, (laughs) just in terms of what I'm going to fight for and what I'm going to do is like, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I needed to talk to this guy. And like, if somebody, like if you were like, Oh, I hired, I wanted to have more women in the band. So I called you. I honestly don't even think I would be offended by that. Like I, I, I would be like, dope. That's cool that you're making that effort because no, not, not even everybody our age is doing that. You know what I mean? And it's like, if you said I only called you because I wanted female representation. Yeah. And this is again, like it is slippery because like something I was really insecure about all through school was that I only, cause I was in like the A band and the combos that played with the guest artists and stuff. And I was always in the back of my head, like I only am doing this because I want a token diverse symbol of diversity. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't look good on yeah. to have just all dudes up there. You know what I mean? And like, right. so that was something I struggled with, but I've come to terms with it. And it's like, if that's the case, fuck them. Because I know I can play. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, it is still giving me a platform. And I've had so many young women who have gone through my school come up to me and be like, watching you be the only girl on stage through all those things gave me courage to to go to jam sessions, gave me courage to get up there with the guys, to just like hold my space and not be ashamed of what who I am and not feel uncomfortable, right? right. It's like any opportunity to have a platform is an opportunity to have a platform, whether the intention of is there or not, that's up to me to, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know. Like if you go see a band and it's like, you know, there's a woman, I don't know. But then I think I also, I don't know. It's tough. It's just a tough thing because like, I don't know. Like I still think, progress is progress. You know what I mean? And there have to be a few questionable steps in the right direction because we're getting out of a, a social environment where you do have to make those weird kind of like extra steps where it's like, yes, it would be so great if gender never even came into consideration when people were putting bands together and somehow magically there was just equal representation, every bandstand and everywhere you looked because women were exactly treated equally. But that's not what's happening right now. We have decades and decades of this music being a boys club and decades and decades of pretty much the whole world, professional world being a boys club that we actually have to actively take steps against. And sometimes it's not ideal, but as long as it's a step in the right direction, that's fine in my opinion. And there's, as long as there's room for dialogues like this, where we're talking about the potential fall, like traps, you know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, so it is good to have gendered representation, but it's not good to tokenize women. So how do we navigate that? Okay. Well, that's a dialogue that we are open to having. So then whatever happens around that is fine. I think. Yeah. But like there was, there's people in the scene that I could look up to on my instrument Mm -hmm. that other instruments don't necessarily have the same amount, but like, that's how you get younger people. You just, it's just a matter of having role models, right? Like I think if we're talking about having younger people, like school, you know, like institutions that do have political agendas should be like the schools, Humber, U of T, York, like should be, I don't know, but this is a whole other debate, but this like, I think they should be making a point to have more women on faculty because that's where the influence happens. 
it doesn't happen by talking about it. It happens by showing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's not a thing. Colleen Allen is the only, like, Nancy Walker. There's, like, probably I could count on one hand the female professors at Humber. There's none of them are full-time except Lisa Martinelli, who's a vocalist, right? But, like, there's no, there's never been a shortage of women who are vocalists. So, like, you, it doesn't, like, you know, probably, be, you know, and that maybe that's even one of the reasons because, yeah. like, the only department head at that whole school is who's a woman like that's the one that has the most that's the program that has the most women in it like but that's why things like having women in your band is cool however they get there because then every person in the audience it becomes more normal yeah i guess however they get there is positive i think so i think every i think it's positive it's not without problems it's not without it's not perfect but it's a step in the right direction yeah you know, like if you, if you have women in your band because you don't care about gender and you just wanted people that you think would play good, or you have women in your band because you, uh, you know, are self-conscious about your political play and some social scene and want to have like, just have a woman for the sake of having a woman. In both cases, you have a woman in the band and everyone in the audience is going to be more normalized to that idea. Yeah. You know? And then it's up to the women, to us, to say, hey, I'm not your token of gender diversity. I'm going to play properly. I'm going to do my job as best I can. And however you put me on this bandstand is irrelevant to me because I'm going to prove to you that I belong. I'm going to cut you up. It's going to be a bloodbath. Exactly. (laughs) Um, when I got to, so that influence of having someone to look up to, who knows what, I should probably talk into the microphone, uh, who knows whatever, everything's at play, but that influence of having someone to look up to, um, when I got to know there were, I think there were six female bass players Mm. when I was there Mm -hmm. and was like, maybe the Esperanza effect. Yeah. Or maybe they just like playing bass, whatever. Yeah. I don't want to put words in people's mind, but like it's a substantial amount of, compared to mm-hmm. other places that I've been. That's yeah. a solid amount of women playing the bass. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like there's, there seems to be in, in at least what I've noticed, like there's a couple instruments that you see more women playing bass, piano, saxophone, like I don't see very many female drummers. I don't see very many female guitar players. I don't see very many female trumpet players or trombone players. And I, it's curious. And I just wonder if that's because like, there's just less, you know, and even trumpet, I see more, more women playing trumpet, but it's like not a lot of drummers, not a lot of guitar players. And I honestly can't name any famous female drummers besides Terry Lynn Carrington. You know, like Allison Miller. I Check her know. out. I think I will. Like it. Yeah, but like that's where right? like a like, lot of my music comes. I from. don't. I don't hear about them. Yeah. In the in the general discussion of like who we should be checking out, you know, and it's like that probably plays a big part of it. Yeah. As to why you don't see those numbers then in like more local scenes, you know. But I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like, it's weird. When I was at school, because now that I'm a singer too, so I always was a singer, but when I was at school, I refused to sing because I was like, I need to be 
respected as a saxophone player and I knew going into school that if I was a singer and a saxophone player nobody would take me seriously as a saxophone player they would only call me for singing gigs they would only because that's the role that people are comfortable having women in you know and like so I made like a real point now I'm like that was fucking dumb like I'm glad I did it but I mean I have no regrets but I was like I should have just held my own the whole time and been like I do both these things and you should just respect me as a saxophone player because I work just as hard as everybody else but that was like something I had to take into consideration that I was like this is kind of whack but this is just the way it is you know 